Love the show, but wish the ads would just go away? Subscribers to Listen Money Matters Pro get access to their very own ad-free feed, member-only bonus episodes, and all of our books. Inside, you'll also find an awesome community of people who talk openly about money and work together to build lasting wealth. Not to mention, you'll get the best tool out there to help you find out if that property you're looking at will cash flow. We've got big plans. Become a founding member at pro.listenmoneymatters.com. Become educated, educate others, and support education. Help close the financial knowledge gap. Hey, what is going on, everybody? And welcome to Listen Money Matters, starting with your drink of the day and all the things to do with pay. My name is Thomas, and I'm here, as always, with my good friend, Andrew. Andrew, how are you? And what are you drinking or I guess, according to this catchphrase, what is your drink of the day? My drink of the day is Pennsylvania tuxedo, which, not to be confused with a, a Canadian tuxedo, that's all denim. And apparently, <laughs> a Pennsylvanian tuxedo is all plaid. So see that bottle. It's just two dudes fucking being cool with huge boots and all plaid onesies. I want an all plaid onesie. Right. I have considered buying uh, as a joke um, a John Cena onesie. <laughs> what? What is that? <laughs> you know who John Cena is? I don't. <laughs> it's like a WWE wrestler. But oh. There's all sorts of memes on the internet about him. That's I'm not a- sure why. Uh, all I can tell you is one of my hard drives on my computer is named "You Can't See Me," <laughs> and probably like six people are going to find that funny. But. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's this there's this internet rapper who made a song just all about John Cena basically, and one of his lines is like, "I want to get a brand new pair of John Cena pajamas." And I thought to myself, "I wonder if those exist." And they do. You what? can buy a John Cena onesie. Yep. Uh, do they have like footsies on them? Oh yes, that's, yes they do. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a bunch of my friends have these Kigurumi. I think they're called. Which are they're onesies, but they're like the onesies that are like Pikachu or Totoro or uh, you know some random rodent or something. You don't wear Pokemon onesies to bed. I I wear a Squirtle to bed. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty dope. Mm. I gotta hand it to you. I didn't know you're that much of a baller. But uh, <laughs> I don't have a Pokemon onesie. No one's got me one for Christmas, so I don't know. If anyone wants to send me a Pokemon onesie, my uh, my PO box is in the footer of my emails, and that's the only place to find it. Hmm. Because I'm not sure if I actually want to receive. <laughs> well, here, here's a question: <laughs> If someone has some disposable income and they send you a ridiculous onesie, will you take a picture of it with it and like put it on your Instagram? I will make a YouTube video wearing it. Oh my god! I, I, I will, mean, I, I would have to. Th- there so. will definitely be a onesie arriving in your PO box, <laughs> and it certainly won't be from me. Um, okay. And it's going to be question mark question mark. mark, mark. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be from your secret admirer. <laughs> okay. Oh my gosh. Anyway, um, do we want to talk about our thing that we're doing now? Or yes. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's talk about it now. So Thomas is coming to New York. Yeah. Uh, and, and he will be staying in with me in Hoboken. And to celebrate, you're invited to come share an unlimited amount of beers 
with us. Mm-hmm. It's going to be January 7th at 5 p.m. The place is called Cork City. But if you go to listenmoneymatters.com slash meetup, M-E-E-T-U-P, it'll redirect you automatically to uh, some invite thing and just RSVP. Yeah. And then when you show up, we're going to give you like a wrist brand or something. And uh, as many beers as the bartender will serve you is how many you will get for free. Boom. And we could talk about whatever you want. Onesies, rental properties, even onesies. And uh, all the drinks are going to be courtesy of the Listen Money Matters slush fund. Mm. I called it a slush fund earlier, and then I remembered that a slush fund is like money used to bribe politicians or whatever. (laughs) So I'm going to call it the slush fund. Oh, no, we're bribing you. (laughs) We're bribing you with beer. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not sure what I want you to do, but uh, come drink beer and... It's on the slosh fund. Think of it like this. <laughs> Every time you go to listenmoneymatters.com slash betterment and sign up, it buys a thirsty man or woman a beer. I don't know if that's I don't know if that's decent motivation <laughs> for making investment choices. <laughs> anyway, uh, we are gonna do something more in the realm of fundamentals today. Yeah, so doing some highfalutin real estate investing ultra strategy episodes, but uh, today we're going to talk about credit. So I think mm-hmm. um, it gets like this non sexy rap. You know, it's it's almost like the bane of people's existence. Yeah, uh, but it's like pretty core to personal finance. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't gone to the fundamentals in a while, and people really liked uh, the rental series, so we're going to do a few series. Uh, this year in 2017, starting with debt. Yeah. Uh, and since we're doing a series, I mean, do you want to give an overview of like your overall plan for uh, what we're going to do? Yeah. So this one, uh, the importance of credit and how to take advantage. Um, the next one uh, will be a really cool tool that uh, I have signed up for and I think will be a key part of your debt strategy. Uh, it's called how to get the perks of a credit card without the pain. Um, the third one is how to be lazy and pay off your debt. And it is essentially a debt reduction plan. What you need to do, um, the steps you need to take, uh, hopefully as clear as possible. The fourth mm-hmm. episode will be getting and choosing a debt consolidation loan. I, we started listen my matters and we interviewed SoFi, and you know, and then we talked about lending club. And since then there's like 11 billion companies that refinance everything you could possibly manage or consolidate. So we're making a grid and we're going to tell you exactly what makes sense when. Yeah. Um, and so many people would love to refinance your credit. Yeah. And most of them shouldn't. I want to start a, a debt consolidation company called refied beans. Mm. <laughs> Cause like it's like the lamest pun ever, like bean counters and like yeah, I liked yeah, it's it. Good. I mean, I hate I hate beans, but <laughs> I don't like refried beans either. Whenever I go to a Mexican restaurant, I tell them no beans, no rice. Mm. Just give me the food. I, that stuff is just filler. I, I tell I them know. no beans, extra rice, plus any other extra carbs you have. Just give them to me. <laughs> Chips, well, if it's wraps, place in Hoboken. Just bring me a bowl, like a bucket. Actually, a bucket of that queso. Mm. Oh, uh, that's true. That place, was, that place was amazing, and I hope it reopens someday. Mm. Yeah, it's, so good. It closed, but uh, so where do we start with the importance of credit? I feel like credit 
is one of the most contentious areas of personal finance because there's all these people out there who are staunchly anti-debt, which by extension kind of makes them anti-credit. And I used to be like that. Um, And I guess in a personal sense, like I don't want to be in debt. Uh, I'm currently in debt for my car. It doesn't represent any sort of financial struggle or stress, but the the concept of just knowing that, you know, I have to pay a few hundred dollars every month to some company for something I already have is it kind of sucks. And I would like to have that paid off sooner rather than later. But as we've talked about it so many times on the podcast and as I've learned about like the history behind the development of money and how people traded value and did things before the advent of coins and stuff. Mm. I love the idea of credit. You know, it is the most powerful thing. I mean, like, yeah, right. Like there's inve- there's compound interest with investing, right? And you can get like 7% average. But if you're a credit card mm-hmm. company and you're lending someone money, you're getting like 20 something percent. So it depends well, which side of hmm? that's just the nitty gritty, you know? I yeah. Mean, like, I think there's a fun there. There's a fundamental of appreciation of credit that I have acquired. The marketplace wouldn't exist without it. Yeah, because credit is just a way for somebody who has more things of value than they can utilize right now mm. to shift some of that over to someone else who can use it mm. to make more value or to make themselves happy or something, you know. And then they you, know, you pay them back. That's how it works. And I was reading about, um, there's this anthropology book, I think it's called, uh, oh, you know what? Let me look it up because it's right on my shelf. It is Debt, the First 5,000 Years, that book. Hmm. That was the basis of a Crash Course episode um, on the development of money. And what they've learned through anthropological studies is that before the advent of money, it wasn't just this barter economy where you come to the market with your cow and you're like, hey there. I'll give you half a hoof and the tail fluff for uh, a pumpkin (laughs) and uh, you can have the horns for some hay. And I guess I'll give you half of the cow's shoulder for uh, your daughter. You know, that's not how it worked. Mm. People just owed each other stuff. Yeah. And there was just constant debt and it was never really recorded. It was just, you know, you gave me a rake last week and now I owe you a sword or something. And you Uh, can't always just give, the tail fluff, because then the ass of your cow is going to get bit by bugs. Exactly. You know, you have your to be, cow needs that tail fluff. You have to you be know? practical about it, yeah. So credit is an invention by humans to allow their cows to retain their tail fluff, but it has some ancillary benefits as well. Mm. And now that we have a huge complex society and lots of money in various forms, uh, we can use credit in many different ways. But I've just I've just come to appreciate the the concept, and I find that interesting because when I was younger, I was like, all debt's bad, you know, go the Dave Ramsey way, pay off all your debt, never have debt again. <laughs> and you know, to your point, uh, so you um, are able to when your when your cow is ready, sell your cow for you know maybe someone to build you your your home or a place mm-hmm. to store your cows, you know, so that happens before you sell your cow. Uh, and at the end of the day, if this guy or girl or team of children builds you this cabin for your cows and you never give them a cow in return for the effort, you're going to have shitty credit and no one's yeah. ever going to build you a cabin for your cows again. 
So, mm-hmm. so it's, it was important back then. And it's even yeah. more important now um, because it, basically everything in life ties to it. Scarily. So, I say that because I've acquired this appreciation for credit, even though I, I don't necessarily want to personally use it in many cases. You know, I don't want to take like a, I don't want to raise capital for my business right now. I don't see a reason for that. And I'm, mm. you know, I'm not carrying a credit card balance. I think that's a stupid thing to do in practice. I just wanted to mention it because there's a lot of emotion around credit and debt. And there's a lot of people who have very real experiences of living in debt for a very long time, or they have family members or people they know who have had their lives ruined by debt, either taken on in irresponsible ways or quite honestly taken on because life just threw them a bad hand Mm. and now they're stuck. And look, it comes down to the mindset, right? So it's, it's the mindset of like what's necessary you know, we kind of talked about this with like earning, earning as much as you need versus earning as much as what you can. So it's like what is necessary versus what is possible. And I think that what is necessary mindset is like debt is bad, carry zero debt, owe nobody anything, and mm-hmm. just like, you know, continue that way. But if you go down the what is possible route and you take this tool, which is really what it is, you can use it for things to enrich yourself, like buy a rental property with minimums amount with minimum amount of money, you know, earning money on top of what is lended to you. And so um it's only bad if you restrict yourself to like this narrow view. Yeah. So, you know, to give you an example, my girlfriend Anna, when I met her, she was against the idea of getting a credit card. Mm-hmm. And I even explained you could just get it, you can lock it in a drawer, you can set it to pay your Spotify and you're just building credit. Um, and at the time she's accepted this now, but at the time she was like, I still am afraid that something will happen or I don't like the, you know, the complicated routing money through a credit card account. Uh, why can't I just work, earn money and pay for the things I need? Hmm. You know, it seems simple, right? It seems to make sense. So for the people who maybe still believe that, why would they want to build credit? What, what is the point of using credit when you could logically just pay for things in cash? Uh, so strangely, most things in life will be cheaper, better, and easier for you if you have good credit. For for example, uh, if you're going to college, your kid's going to college. Um, I mean, if your kid's going to college, it's highly likely you're going to have to co-sign for their loan. If they're going to college, um, I don't know about that. (laughs) Well, if your kid (laughs) built no credit, then, then you're definitely gonna have to co-sign for them. (laughs) <laughs> I'm like trying to build this nice fundamental easing into why you should build credit, but I'm going to disagree with that. Okay. Right so, there. so fine. So we'll put don't the sign loans for your kid to go to college because they should, I don't know. I am a firm believer in the idea that you should pick a college that you can fund with your own money and federal loans only. Mm. I don't like the idea of, of uh, private loans, you know, I agree. Actually, I my college like is super getting cheap. Getting a credit card debt, you know. No, I agree so. with you. But okay, so so fine. Shelve that one for a second. <laughs> uh, you are going to have a mortgage or rent from someone. It's going to be one yep. of the two, yeah. or you're going to live with your mom, and then you're probably just not even a part of this conversation. I mean, you will hopefully, you, ideally, you will eventually have a mortgage or rent or move from your parents' house to a nursing home. And then that cost may be affected. <laughs> uh, but uh, the, the cost of your mortgage 
will be directly related to your credit card rate. And I ran like a simple analysis. I, you know, there's there's really not many tools that do this easily. Uh, so, you know, shameless plug, I went on to Pro and I was just tweaking interest rates. If you have like a base of 4.5% for, let's say, like a mortgage, if you go up 1% in your interest rate, it increases your cost of living by over 12%. So 1%. Really? Yeah, right? Like that's that's huge. Your entire cost of living? The, the cost of your mortgage. So, I mean, oh, I mean, you mean just the cost of your mortgage. Yeah, okay. Sorry. The cost of your living arrangement. Okay. Um, okay. But if your interest rate goes down, you save 12.8% because, uh, you know, it's, it's not like way interest compounds and, I mean, stuff mm-hmm. like that. So, uh, like, minimal movements can have major impact on your life. And as you make more and spend more, it has an even larger impact. Um, I kind of want to do that because Google has a mortgage calculator that you can do. So on like a hundred thousand dollar house, I did an example. Two, I did an example two hundred thousand dollar house with twenty percent down. Okay. Um. So that would be what, hundred and sixty thousand mortgage amount. Uh. Yeah. 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 So if you get a four percent rate, that's seven hundred and sixty four dollars a month. We'll do and like 4.5 versus like 5.5 or 4.5 versus 3.5. All right. 4.5, $811 a month. Mm-hmm. 3.5, $718 a month. Mm-hmm. And 5.5 is 908 And yeah, so that is just a direct, you can negotiate what your interest rate is based on your credit rating kind yeah. of thing. I mean, obviously mortgage rates will be directly affected by things like the Fed and the market as well. But your credit also is a factor, you know. Um, and so, if you, you know, like most people, it's the biggest expense that they have their mortgage or, or mm-hmm. rent. Um, and most people spend hopefully no more than a third of their take home on it. So, yeah. moving that by twelve percent in either direction is huge. Uh, and then on the other end, if you have excellent credit and you're going to get an apartment. Uh, and they're like, well, there's a fee for the first month. You could just tell them no. And and I have. And they're like, well, blah. I'm like, look. Really? Yeah. So in Hoboken, I had gotten a place, my first place alone. It was $17.50 a month. And the fee uh, was $17.50 to the um, the broker who was like literally opening the door for me. And I, I have a full month's rent? Yeah. Like, and, and not a deposit? No, no, no. Like there's a deposit and you pay a full month just for the, the sake of someone opening a door for you. That is insane. So I go to the guy and I, I tell him, look at my credit. It's phenomenal. I've never missed a payment in my life. Blah, blah, blah. It's awesome. And uh, eat eat the fee uh, and I will write you a check right now and, and I'll move in. And he did. And so 1750 oh divided by 12 it becomes a meaningful amount of the, you know, what you spend. Yeah. Holy crap. I'm trying to figure out what the fee is for the place that I'm looking at moving into because I'm pretty sure it's not seventeen fifty, but man, that's awesome. You know, it depends. Fact, I didn't know you could actually do that. Well, see, here's the thing is I think uh and I've I've learned this and kind of like flexed it more as I've gotten older. Uh, so old, I'm like thirty two right now. <laughs> uh but uh I, I used to think that the prices that are quoted on anything is the price that it is, but mm-hmm. that's actually never the case. And I almost always like on Roofstock, there will be a property that says it's X and there's no make it offer. It's just buy it now. 
and I'll email Zach and I'll be like, well, I'll actually pay this for it. Who's uh, Zach? He, he's like the guy who kind of like, he's like the head of, Oh, okay. I don't know. All the important things over yeah. there. He's, he's like the man. And, uh, so anyways, like, yeah, I just, and why not attempt to negotiate it? Yeah. Uh, Martin was telling me that, I mean, the place we want to move into, uh, it was like, if you, if you sign before the end of the year, you can get some discount or you can get the fee waived. Um, but there's, there's no two bedrooms open right now, so I can't snag it for the move-in date that I want. Mm. And I was just thinking earlier today, I wonder if I call them up and just say, Hey, I am very interested in moving. I just, you guys don't have any availability yet for our date. So can I get that rate? I wonder if because my credit is good, they might still give it. And dude, like, what Eventually. do you, what could you possibly lose by asking? Yeah, yeah, right? just, just ask. And and honestly, if your credit's awesome, you're probably above the average of the mm-hmm. people in there, and making it less risk. There, you know, there's maybe there's gonna be less breakage. There'll, there'll likely be less breakage. You're more responsible. You know, yeah. they they want to stick people with good credit in. It's it's like kind of what reflects on you as a person. I was going to ask you now that you own rental properties, what sort of relationship do you have with evaluating people's credit? I mean, are you directly gen- pulling credit scores? I get or- the like if you saw how detailed I of a credit report I get on people, uh, it would it would probably make you sweat. Um, like really? I, like every month, there it's like you know you know green if it was paid whatever yellow if it, yellow if it was late red if it was not and uh for all i, I see like everything they have back for i don't i don't know a million years seven years or something like that and um i am really stingy with who i want to rent to because mm. you at the end of the day i put a lot of money on this place yeah. uh, i don't want you to burn it down or stuff like you know stick me for the bill yeah and i mean i guess uh I'm hearing my my friend say this on a podcast, but mm. the people who own my house are probably the exact same way, even though they're this huge corporation. At the end of the day, like yeah. uh, it's a, it's about making money, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's it's not about. I mean, look, you're not trying to like screw people over, and and I mean, the rent is going to be the market rent, but you yeah. want to rent to the best person mm-hmm. that you know. But interestingly, yeah, and I suppose to your point about, you know, maybe getting a perk of like getting a fee waived, it's all about acquiring a tenant or a client who is trustworthy. And in the world of business and the world of paying money for things, your credit is essentially the score of how trustworthy you are. Dude, you know, uh, source, the New York Times, 47 percent, nearly half of employers check your credit score before they hire you just i mean why would an employer do it just like to make sure that you're a trustworthy person all around is it just like yeah. an indicator yeah and you know maybe if you owe, an, owe a lot of money you know I, I don't know what all these things mean and it all factors into look when you're bringing someone in i don't know maybe you interview them for like 10 hours 15 hours whatever still you don't know this person Mm-hmm. Like, so you want every piece of information you could possibly get because you're taking a big risk. And once they come in, it's hard to get them out. Um, mm. I could definitely see this being something you just want to like, ah, they're a respectable person. They don't have debt chasers collecting them, so they won't act irrationally. Um, That's true. And if you know, and I mean, I feel like this, this could be sensitive because there's a lot of people coming out into the job market with student loans and such, but 
maybe some employers will look at somebody who doesn't owe a ton of money and think, okay, this person is probably not just trying to get a job just for the money. Mm. You know, like they're, you know, they're not like just desperate trying to get any random paycheck. Like they actually want to work for this company because they care about what we care about. Yeah. And they're relaxed. Maybe it's not only about the money. Maybe mm-hmm. it's about, you know, interest as well. And look, dude, not only on the negative side, because, you know, if you have a bad, if you have like good credit, you get to avoid like all this negative stuff, like not maybe being hired. But mm-hmm. if you have great credit or even good credit, there's like positive stuff. Like you can get a sick bank account uh, where they'll just eat all of your ATM fees. Th- this year I've saved over $90. So you had to have good credit to get your bank account? Uh, so mine's with uh, Fidelity. It's like an, an investment. I, maybe they offer it to everybody. Not all mm. um, checking accounts are open to everyone. Some have like minimums and. Okay. Um, I know my checking account's pretty sick, though. I don't think they eat ATM fees, which is annoying, though I almost never use ATMs. Uh, but the one thing that I had happened in my life where good credit really came in handy was when I was getting my car. Mm. And I mean, obviously we did the episode about my car and there were some people who were salty because they're like super debt free people. But (laughs) because I've been building credit since I was 18 years old, I was able to go into the dealer and say, I want to pay no more than 2.5% interest, Mm. you know, and they were basically like, they pulled my credit and they were like, okay, sure. That's your rate, you know? And what that means is I'm paying less in interest. But what that also means is the lower my rate is, the more money I have to put into like the market, into my investments. Mm. So there's like a, a deeper or a wider spread between the interest rate I'm making on my investments and the interest I'm paying on my debts. But even like which means simpler, I'm making more money. Dude, even simpler, like you, you basically, by having good credit, reduce the cost of your car significantly. Right, because yeah, it could have been one percent higher, and maybe, yep. and I don't know what it uh, works out to be. Maybe instead of the car being twenty thousand, it was twenty three thousand because you had a one percent. Mm-hmm. So, like, just by being an upstanding citizen, you know, paying your bills, your shit's cheaper. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I guess the question is like, how do people build credit safely? Because the question that my girlfriend had, and a lot of people have had, is like. How do I make sure I don't get into debt? How do I make sure all these bad things that my parents told me were going to happen don't happen? All that kind of stuff. Um. So I, what I will say, like, or up till now, and maybe it was like up till whatever. And I think a really good way to do it is, you know, use something like Mint. You track your income, you track your, your expenses, and you try and like even it out. Um, and they'll send you automated alerts, and I think it's awesome. But next week, we're interviewing this guy who um, created this thing that I think takes a lot of the guesswork out of it. Right? Like, imagine if everything you spent on your credit card was automatically covered by cash. Um, and you kind of think about it and optimized like all of your interactions with the credit card companies to maximize your rewards and uh, mm-hmm. increase your credit. Um, yeah, I actually I ran a test based on our chat with him, and if I used his tool, I, it would increase my credit by twenty two points because I would just carry no balance on my credit card. Holy crap! Yeah, yeah. I just I just got reminded that I need to I need to sign up for that. Like, like literally by <laughs> doing nothing, it. you know? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I remember. So I got my first credit card when I was 18 years old. And uh, actually, that brings up a good point. It's harder to do that now. I think in 2009, they passed legislation that basically it, it barred the credit card companies for, from doing what they usually would do, which is go to a college campus and give out free Frisbees and Dude, give that's out exactly how I got my credit card. And here's your first credit card. Here you go. 25% interest. That's not that bad. Go, you know, go wild. I got a um, Frisbee with a hole in the middle and I was like, so cool. Uh, I hung it on the fire, like the water head, fire head in the dorm, like the sprinkler head. I just oh, yeah. put it on there and I got written up for that because that's dumb. <laughs> oh, because you're not supposed to have stuff in the sprinklers. Yes. Yeah. But I got a credit I card. I was an RA and I would have written you up too, bro. Actually, I probably would have just told you to take it down. Mm. I think your RA may have had a stick up his butt. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> but so they they, uh, they passed legislation back in 09 where they can't do that anymore. So if you are 18, you can get a credit card, but you either need to have a co-signer. And I am not a fan of co-signing as a concept. Mm. Or you need proof of significant income. So if you're 18, you basically need a job. You know, it could be a part-time job, whatever, and it really depends on what credit card company you're looking at and what card you're going for uh, to figure out what the income requirement is going to be. But you need to be able to demonstrate that you have income, which is something that you have to do for many things, like you getting know, an apartment. It's this weird dynamic where they're they're definitely protecting you because they're definitely preying on kids. But one of the major, I think it's almost thirty percent of your credit score is based on credit age. Um, yeah. so if you open it when you're like 17, 18, like you extend that and then you could have one account for a long, you know, so it's, it's mm -hmm. good. Um, but yeah, you have to be responsible with it. Yeah. And I guess this, this is taking us into like the, how to take advantage of, of credit section of the episode. Uh, I believe that you should get a credit card basically when you turn 18, if you can, mm. if you have a job and I'm also a fan of having a job too. So, you know, if it's a co-signing situation and you're the parent in that situation or you're the person who is being asked to co-sign, think really hard about that because you're essentially signing your name on the dotted line for any anything they become liable for. Mm. And that's I don't know if I would put myself in that situation. You know, depends how well you're exposing yourself to a lot of risk. You are. And you are not the person making decisions to avoid that risk. You know, or to mitigate it. But you know, if you're a cosigner, you also get visibility into the balance, right? And you're you're probably yeah. custodial level, whatever. So, say there's a credit card, and they're just being a real asshole about it. You just close that shit down, lock them out. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously up to whoever you know is making the decision. But mm. I'm not sure if I would do it. And for whatever uh, it's uh, worth, you could get, say you're an 18-year-old and you work at like the movie theater and you they open a credit card and they're like, you have $2,000 limit. Uh, you can call them up as like the co-owner, signer or whatever and be like, actually just make that $100. Yeah. Uh, but, it, you know, if you don't, obviously if you're 18, you have a job, you can do it. Or another thing you can do is look into like those, what are they called, secured credit cards? Mm, like prepaid. Yeah, so basically you put down $500 collateral and that account will be used to pay off the card if you don't pay off your balance. But that's a way you can get a credit card if you don't qualify for it for like a normal one. 
Hmm. Um, and I'm not sure. I think you can get that one if you're under 21, but I'm not 100% sure. So we'll link to something in the show notes about that. But that's a way you can do, you can build your credit really early on, or you can just get a part-time job and get one early as well. You know? And like you said, age of the account is a big factor. So if you can start doing it as soon as possible, you're going to start building your credit score and that's going to help you get lower rates on any kind of loan you need in the future, get more like an easier uh, time applying for apartments or mortgage, what have you. The other thing is, and I think this is really important. The moment you get a credit card, only use that for your online stuff. Hmm. Like if you're going to buy things online. In fact, I I can't think of a time I've used my debit card for any purpose in probably the past year. It makes least. me so nervous mm-hmm. because that's your money. Yeah. In fact, um, I just heard about a guy I know. Somebody stole his debit card information. And this is the stupid thing. <laughs> the person tried to use his stolen debit card information to pay their own I guess it was like some fine to the state justice system to the state of all people. Right. Like, yeah, like I, I cannot fathom how dumb that is. I mean, they're gonna know. <laughs> Why don't you but, just email the IRS? But like I stole this guy's card, use it to cover my balance. Oh. Yeah. Or I don't know. I don't know the exact details, but I, I just, it, uh, it boggles my mind. Hmm. You know, I'm going to steal somebody's money and use it to pay off something that is very clearly tied to my identity and the government runs it. I'm like, I don't know, but that's the thing. If somebody happens to steal your debit card information, the money is, it's not guaranteed gone because I mean, if they do flag it as fraud, you have some recourse, but it's much tougher to get money back that's been stolen from you out of a debit card or debit account because that's your money than it is on a credit card. If somebody steals your credit card, basically they've stolen money from the credit card company and credit card companies go to much, much, much further lengths to protect the people who they serve and to make sure that that you're not screwed if you get your stuff stolen. So, and at the end of the day, when you put a claim up, it's their money. They don't want to pay. And the bank has way more leverage than you do. Like the bank's just like, Hey dude with the ice cream shop, like we're not paying this. Okay. Mm. All right. Like, (laughs) and unless they put up a fight, like it's just over. Um, I actually had someone on Stripe, like, uh, or I mean like, Say that like, oh, this was like not a valid charge, whatever. Like, you don't want to deal with that shit. You're just like, fine, whatever. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, credit yeah. card does it so much more easily. And I try to use my credit card on everything. You know, even in real life, you know, not even just online stuff. I read just the other week, um, a gas station in my town, they pulled skimmers off of the pumps. Oh, shit. And apparently they're really, really tough to detect if it's a skimmer or not these days. Mm. So I usually try to check, but I don't really know what I'm looking for. Yeah. And now they make them like green with a lock. But, you know, the skimmers are now just green and glowing with a lock. Then you stick it on top or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, whatever they do, it's going to be pretty easy to design some some skimmer device that looks pretty legit. Mm. So using my credit card, if I get skimmed it's not that big of a deal, you know? Mm. So yeah, use credit. Um, 
I don't know. Do you have any? Do you have any tips for using credit wisely? What's your system? We'll have that episode next week. But and what what has your system always been since that that service is new? Uh so you know from the very beginning of the podcast we're like use Credit Karma and I, I tried them both out today. Like well Credit Karma and then Credit dot com also has one. I think credit, oh, is that a new one? You know it's been there and I think they kind of built the two out a little bit more. Credit Karma okay. used to be sick. When we started this podcast, they had this awesome simulation tool where it pulls in your credit. You only have to give the last four of your social. It doesn't hit your credit. And then mm-hmm. you just move all these sliders and it tells you like how it like affects your credit. Um, so you can kind of see how it works. Now it, it's a little more opaque. <clears throat> but uh, Really? Yeah. It, I, I mean, I, I really wish it was better. Um, credit.com is different, maybe even a little bit better. But I think you should just go in there. First of all, it's free. It'll mm-hmm. show you like what's up, why you don't have a good credit. Um, and then, then you kind of have an action list of what to work on. Okay. That's pretty cool. I've always been pretty happy with Credit Karma, but maybe you're just more, I don't know, in-depth and hardcore about the, <laughs> the details you want to see. I usually go in there. I look at my scores. I look at my credit factors. When you leave, um, like, just make sure I'm up and up, you know? Mm. Yeah. And it, it's a good thing to go in and look and just be like, Oh, there was a credit inquiry. What was that from? You know, just to make sure you know where all these things come from. So, Oh no, the same age of my, mm. looks like the age of my credit history here is, uh, just about five years and it's still in the red. <laughs> so apparently, Oh yeah. You have to have nine years of credit history on average. Mine, that's still the that. worst part of everything on mine is like an A or an A plus. My credit age is a B. Mm-hmm. Um, and the tough thing is the moment you open a new account, that counts toward the average age. It's yeah. not the age of the oldest one, which actually that's a good tip. Um, never close your old credit cards. Mm-hmm. Just what I do is I my old one, it pays Spotify and it is set to auto pay every single month. And then. I should probably set my other one to auto pay. I just, I don't know. I don't because there's usually a pretty decently large balance on it. And I personally want to see every single month Mm. that it gets paid. And I personally want to go in there and be in the habit of doing it. You know, on the whole closing of account thing, uh, Laura's first account um, had a fee, like a yearly fee. And it's been like, forever since she first had that account and she's tried multiple times to get them to remove it and her situations changed dramatically they're just they just won't mm. um so she closed it they like they were like punitive with like stupid fees and just like their huh. online system didn't work and you know sometimes you have to make that tough decision but you should never pay a fee well, for you know okay yeah i guess i guess first thing is when you're opening your first credit card try to get one that doesn't have a fee it's hard right you your credit, credit is low which means you're not going to be you're not going to be qualified for all the baller credit cards that have a yearly fee but also perks that get you miles and everything mm. um, and i do now you know i've got i have a credit card that has a fee but the perks outweigh the fee which is fine mm. but my first one had no fee also had no perks no points literally nothing And that's fine because it can just stay open forever. I would say, obviously, the people that are running Laura's old account or I guess were running Laura's old account were stodgy and wouldn't 
budge. Mm. But if you do happen to have an old account with a fee, call them and ask if you can get it removed. You know, just try to negotiate first. Because if you can keep that account open without paying for it, that's the most optimal choice. Yeah, and you have nothing to lose by trying. Yeah. And the thing is, like, the age of your credit history is not the most important factor in your score. Mm. It's not the least important. Uh, it says here in Credit Karma that your total number of accounts and then credit inquiries, those are like the low impact ones. But the ones that really count is the percentage of on-time payments, your credit utilization. So what percent of your credit are you currently using? Say I have uh, $8,000 of total credit. You want to be using, you know, I would probably want to be using less than 1500 mm. or so of that to be in the green and then uh, derogatory amount marks. So say, you know, you got a foreclosure on your house or you went bankrupt or something like that. That's a big strike against you if you do. And a lot so, of times uh, you just have to wait for that to age out. You just have to be good yeah. for, you know. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, the, the ones you can control right now is always making sure you pay on time and making sure you don't utilize too much of your credit. Now, a couple of things pertaining to those those two um, action items with your credit card utilization you can probably if you have a credit card now increase your credit line really easily mm. and we have a video i think of like matt calling up his credit card company and asking for an increase on his credit line yeah but it's even easier than that now i went on the capital one website and there's this there's an item in the menu that says increase credit line and it ha it's a and blank it's, box <laughs> it has you type it in right like whatever you want it to be not for me no mm. oh you just click uh, it and then they just come back to you i clicked it and i think it asked me to to put in my current income mm. so i put that in and 11, 11 like, million dollars right and i put in 11 million dollars i put in i am a baller in all caps <laughs> with no numbers actually i just said baller and they were like, congratulations, you've been automatically approved for a 50% increase in your credit line. It's so, so that you really got a 50% increase. Yeah, I think it was actually, no, it was more. It was 4,500 before, and now it's 7,500. Uh, dude, that's which awesome. I was a little disappointed, <clears throat> not because I want to use that much, but because uh, Martin has a higher credit line than me. <laughs> dude, in <laughs> two months, do it again. Different company. I, I could just do it every couple of months. He used a different company, but once I found that like toggle <laughs> on the side and like five, 10 years ago, I would just keep going back like every 30, 60 days and just adding another one or two G's to it. Totally Wait, works. So you do it like every couple of months. I, I haven't for a while, but in the beginning when I was like hyper focused, when I was like doctor fucking personal finance nerd, <laughs> I was going in there and it was just, it would work every time. I would just request yeah, it. Yeah. <clears throat> I did not know you could do it that many times. Um, do I, do I it until I they reject you. <laughs> maybe once a year or something, but huh, interesting. Because the button's still there, right? It is still there. I'm looking at it right now. Dude, click it. Click it again. <laughs> just try it again. Yeah, yeah, do it. Do it. <laughs> then okay. you'll have to update us when you get to I like. I just did it again, but um, okay. Uh, put that in there. I put in my. See, this is like my exact. Okay, here's a question for you. Mm. I am the owner of an LLC that's taxed as, taxed as an S-Corp. Uh, yeah. So does that mean I'm self-employed or employed? I've always been reporting self-employed. 
I don't uh, know. So if it's a single, I'm not a lawyer, uh, but I actually <laughs> talked to one. I'm try, I've been trying to convince him to come on the show. He's awesome, really uh-huh. smart dude. He's like he's our age. He does he, he like does it for hedge fund. But he said if you're a single member, it actually really doesn't matter. It just falls under you as a person. Okay, so I'll just put self-employed. I'll put author slash YouTuber. My monthly mortgage rent payment is uh, four forty, I think. And my monthly spend, I don't know, maybe twenty five hundred total. All right, let's see if it does it automatically again. Your account is not eligible for a credit increase this time because there's recently been a change to the credit line on this account. Ah, uh, well, you did this like a week ago or something. You said it was not a week ago, but it was really recent. Mm. Uh, <laughs> so I wonder if, if Capital One's gonna call me and be like, "Why did you?" Try to do it again. And I'll like, <laughs> podcast co-host peer pressured me into trying it again. <laughs> <laughs> so, Thomas, tell them that time you got a bad mark on your credit. <laughs> <laughs> Not you're going to mark my credit bad for that. But and honestly, 7500 is perfect for me. Yeah. You know? yeah. So it puts my utilization probably a little over that 20 percent mark. That is ideal. On it because I I, th- I think I usually spend maybe twenty five hundred a month on it mm. across random things, um, so obviously I would want to have it a little bit higher if I was really trying to gamify my credit score. But mine's decent enough; it's at a level where I can get a really good interest rate, all that kind of stuff. So it works well for me. So yeah, try. But I guess for anyone else listening, try to get a credit line increase. You can do it on the website; super easy. You don't even have to talk to real human beings on the phone, which and- is hard. Just real quick to like <laughs> slip it in. So uh, for the on-time payments thing, I feel like I, I feel like we can't say it enough because I, I don't think anyone really talks about this. The, it's it's a percentage of on-time payments. So if you if you made yeah. twelve payments in your life and you missed one, you missed a significant percentage. But if you make two payments a month and you missed one, it's a much smaller percentage. So go to discover.com. They give everyone even parakeets a credit card and put your Netflix on it. And that's it. And just set it to auto pay. If you have Hulu, do, do open another card like Quicksilver, whatever. Put Hulu on it. Auto pay. Done. Get yourself three, four, as many. Go to Old Navy. And like, they, I mean, they give it, they give it to dead people probably. And yeah. uh, just um, like the more payments you can get a month, the faster you'll close the gap if you made a mistake in the past. Didn't you and Laura do something like that at one point? Yeah, so we did for her. She has Hulu on one car, Netflix on another, um, her, her own. Uh, mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, they're all her own, but yeah. That's actually a pretty important strategy if you have ever missed a payment. And because that, that's at the, least the 30%. Thing is mm. You, to be at in like the green, you got to have 100% on-time payments. Mm. And the worst is below 97%. Yeah. So if you had a credit card for one year and you missed one payment, you are automatically in the red for that. Mm. And that you'll fact. be stuck there for a very long time if you're making one payment a month. Yeah. So that's tough. So, I mean, yeah, anything you can do to get more payments and get your, your percentage back up to 99, it'll never be at 100 again. But 99 is is still on the green on Credit Karma and it's close enough. And Credit.com says that accounts for 30% of your credit score. Your mm-hmm. percentage on time. So that's that's huge for for the yeah. amount of time it takes you to open a card and change the billing in Netflix. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Now the one thing I do, 
I'm looking at my my uh, credit card my thing, and they misspelled my business's name. Oops. <laughs> I don't think I would have spelled it that way. I think it's their fault. Anyway, the one thing I do to make sure that I never have a not on time payment is I pay about eight days early mm. every month. And I've got a reminder in Asana, and I've also got a reminder in Google Calendar that emails me. So there's no I'm going to miss it. I get in there and I pay. I never want to be behind. I never want to be up to the wire. So my my payment dates are, I think all of them are actually on the 24th of the month. I pay on the 16th. But you should listen to next week's episode. And, yeah. I, and I feel like all next your, your multiple kind of game changer. Yeah. The multiple payments problem. The this this problem that you were just talking about, like like all your like, you know, I use an Amazon card for a lot of my points because we basically buy like everything from like toilet paper to I don't know, whatever on Amazon. The, I would get points more frequently like accessible to me if I if I use this. So right because you really? get points when when a payment clears. So, so if you waited 30 days, you're not going to get the points. You're not going to get more points, but you're going to get the points faster. Right. Which I mean, I'm not like spending them, but I mean, hey, like I don't know, maybe you're trying to get a free trip to uh Ames, Iowa because you're stuck somewhere and you need to go home, right? Like <laughs> Every day in the points matter. <laughs> I really need to get. To, I, I thought you were gonna. I thought you were going somewhere different with that. Where was I, I going? Say, I thought you were gonna say you want a trip to Ames, Iowa, from Hoboken because it's just the most amazing vacation destination because ever. I was told that I have not lived until I detassel corn. So <laughs> exactly, Andrew. I'm sorry, but you're you're not gonna have fun detasseling corn because my hands are too soft. Is that what you're saying? You're not very tall. <laughs> <laughs> I have to be and tall to detassel corn. You don't. Have that was to. the last thing I thought I would have to be to detassel corn. You don't have to, but later in the season, the corn gets up to about eight or nine feet tall. And if you're a short person, I mean, you're not, you're not like a short person, but it's it it pays to be a very tall person when you're detasseling corn. Otherwise, your arms are above your head mm-hmm. all day. And you're bending the stalks down trying to get it. And then the corn leaves are just cutting your face open. <laughs> Not a good time. So let me ask you, when you detassel corn, do you get paid by detassel? De- no. By the tassel or detassel? By detassel. Yeah. Honestly, if that if that was physically possible to do mm. in some way, I feel like that would be an amazing way to pay people. Because then I would mm. get paid the same as you. But I can't detassel as fast as you because I'm, I'm too short. Well, then I would get paid Says more you. than you. Well, so but would you get paid? Because if they can't pay me by my detasseling ability or you, rate, no, rate of detassel. The they pay by the hour, so you would get paid just as much as anyone else. Okay. It's just I, I had a friend who was about your height when we were doing it as teenagers. And um, once like we got to a certain point in the season, it would be like way over his head. And it was, it was still a pain for me, but... Mm being a little bit taller does help in that job. But yeah, you got me thinking if we could pay people by the tassel, that would be amazing because the problem with the tasseling is they hire 14 year old kids to do that job. And the reason we have to go through fields two or three times is because they just miss tassels. Oh and shit. Because they don't work hard because they're getting paid by the hour. You know? So everyone's like concerned that you have to go through the field twice and not that 14 year olds are detasseling corn. It's a 14 year old job. 
<laughs> I guess, okay, in New Jersey, I think you have to be 16 to work. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure, yeah. Well, Maybe it's 15. I mean, all of our government institutions in our history is built upon kids in farm fields doing work when they're three years old or something. So, yeah, I, I detasseled starting when I was 14. That's the youngest you can be. Hmm. And I mean, it's one of the best ways to make money when you're a 14 year old, because there's almost nowhere else that's going to hire you. The grocery stores will. But and maybe that's why everyone in Ames is tall. It's evolution. <laughs> they born of the cornfields. That's right. They Someone's got like to tassel the corn. Like yeah, I'm um, short so I could fit into like small in, apartments. I don't know what it's like in Hoboken, but for here in Iowa, if you are under 16, you can't work past 7 p.m. during mm. the school year. And if you do, the company employing you pays a thousand dollars per minute. Oh, wow. Past seven. So when I worked at the grocery store when I was 15, they would make you clock out at 645. Oh, dude. So it was like uh, when I was 17 in New Jersey, the mall, or I was working in the mall and they made me leave the store at nine or a little before, maybe it was like seven or eight, I forget. But like, I I didn't have to do any cleanup ever. It was the best. Everyone hated me. Yeah. But I legally had to leave. School. (laughs) Anyway, I don't know how we got to detasseling, but pay Look, by the tassel. That'd be amazing. Credit is important. Um, yeah. We kind of like threw a bunch of use cases out there. Uh, tomorrow is going to be something that will automatically, I believe, increase your credit at least 5% just by the nature of using the product. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this month, we are going to get your debt optimized, automated, um, so that you could do cooler, more complicated stuff. Yeah. So let's do a quick summary and then kind of an action list for people. Mm. So in summary, credit is very important because it is a basically quantified measure of your trust for any business that's going to work with you in a significant way. Your life will just be cheaper if yeah. you have better credit, your insurance, your car, your mortgage, rent, your cell phone. Can you even get a cell phone? You'll have access to cool things. Mm. Um, I mean, you know, I've been building credit since, like, since I was 18. And now one of my credit cards gets me like a ridiculous amount of travel points. And yeah, I'm not, points. it's not like I'm spending extra money. It's not like I'm getting ripped off here. I use it for business. So everything I spend on that credit card, I have to pay. Mm. But then it occasionally gets me a free flight somewhere. That's awesome. Yeah. You know? And I mean, you can get way into the travel hacking stuff, um, but I'm not that much into it. I think we don't we have an episode with uh, Travis Sherry. We do. And, you know, maybe, about that kind of stuff. Maybe we'll do a, a series on that. This, well, we a only travel have, hacking series. We only have through. Cool. It would be right. Uh, yeah. So in January, Laura and I will be getting our companion pass, which not, oh, nice. not, I'm not going to talk about. Is that for Southwest? Yeah. Oh, dude, okay. I can't wait. Ba- okay, fine. I'll, I'll talk about it. Basically, e- everywhere that I travel on Southwest, Laura will travel for free. So we only pay for one ticket. Yeah. Um, I really want that. Yeah. Anna tends to come with me. But the so trick. I've been buying her tickets. The trick is you get um two calendar years uh, with the companion pass. Um, so if you start in December, say you start December 1st, you get December 1st through 30th, then January 1st through December 30th, and it'd be over. So it's ideal to, it's like I've been sitting on these points to start like literally January 2nd, 
So we had two full oh. years. Oh, my dentist used to work like that. They had some deal where it was like uh, twice a year or twice. Yeah, it's like it was like twice a year or something like that where you could get a really cheap cleaning. It's like a package deal. So my mom would get it and then she'd have us get our cleanings like January 1st and then December 31st, something like that. You know, not the exact days because those are obviously closed. So that way we basically get two years worth of dental cleanings for w- the cost of one year. Maybe it was like the the a few days before his taxes are due and a few days before his yearly vacation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that. But yeah, if you I mean if you use credit wisely, you can get some some pretty cool perks. And I think it would be cool to do a travel hacking series. Um, and and start, on the, you know, the flip side of it, if your credit is in the shitter, it is not difficult to fix. You just have to put a few things in place. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I think we've done some dead episodes. We'll obviously do more in the future. For now, uh, use credit wisely. And the way you do that is you ask for credit line increases, open an account on credit.com or creditkarma.com, look at the factors and just use those as guidance. Mm. And then I would say, we'll talk about the, the tool and next week's episode, that might be something to look into. But at a base level, what I do is I pay my bill eight days early. So I'm never late. I've got multiple reminders for it because I never want to have one of those not on time payments. Mm. Uh, yeah. I have one more action list. So okay. on the site, uh, we have a book. If you go to the toolbox, you'll see it. It's like right at the top. It's called a 10 day debt reduction plan. And it actually goes into detail on, on a lot of this stuff um, and it's pay what you want so that could be a zero dollar pay it could be twenty thousand um, dollars I obviously recommend it should be a couple thousand dollars but you could just get it for free uh, <laughs> if you need a book called the 10 day debt reduction plan do not pay us twenty thousand dollars for it <laughs> <laughs> that's why that's why I don't make anyone pay for it because I figure you know yeah, what, exactly. I figure like you download it for free, use it, and then when you're fixed in a year, you come back and then you just give us ten thousand dollars. There you go. Mm. Yeah, just uh, just uh, don't forget us when you're a baller. That's right. That should be like our catchphrase on every episode. Don't forget us. When you're a <laughs> oh my god, I'm I'm writing that down right now. Submitted by Thomas Frank in an episode. Exactly. There you go. You think we uh, you think we covered it? Yeah, I think we're good. Sweet. Cool. Well, once again, to remind you guys, uh, our meetup is January 7th. And all the deets are over at listenmoneymatters.com slash meetup. That'll port you over to the Eventbrite page where you can RSVP. And uh, if you happen to be in the NYC area on January 7th, I would love to see you show up. And uh, beyond that, our toolbox is over at listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox. You'll find books you'll find apps all sorts of other resources that can help you manage your finances and also improve your productivity and some of the cool things so check it out if you're Mm. curious and that's it i think yeah so until next week's episode we will pick up where we have left off from this episode see you later man Tell your friends about this show.